My name is Keith Beavers, and I just found out that you can burn 11 calories an hour chewing gum. That's unless it's fruit stripes. Am I right, Gen Xers? Am, am I right? What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the Tastings Director of Vine Pair. Hi. We're going deep, deep into the South, real deep. We're going to go to a place that is doesn't make a lot of wine, but the wine it does make is amazing, Basilicata. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Arjano. Now, first of all, you guys know how much I love Brunelli Montalcino, right? I mean, I usually call them, well, they're so age-worthy, I call them sleeping giants because the wine has to be aged for six years at least before it can be enjoyed. And believe me, it's worth the wait. By the time Brunelli Montalcino gets to your glass, it's right where you need it to be. And no one knows that better than Arjano. They've been doing it for a long time. So, wine lovers, we need to talk about Basilicata. We have to talk about this place that doesn't get the love it deserves. I take that back. It gets the love it deserves because when you do actually encounter Basilicata, the wine, which we'll talk about, it makes such an impact on you that you'll wonder, wait a second, (laughs) why didn't anybody tell me about this wine before? This is absolutely amazing. My God, what's going on in Basilicata? So we're going to take a moment here. We're going to, we were going to do, I was going to do La Marque because we were doing Umbria last week, but I wanted to talk about Basilicata because when I was talking, when we were talking about Umbria, you know, that I told, said that there was like a personal situation there where I was sitting there in the piazza and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get into wine. That moment before that even happened the moment I fell in love with wine, like the moment I remember it clearly, I was at a little, I was working at a little trattoria on Avenue B in Alphabet City in the East Village of Manhattan. And I was forced to learn a bunch of wine knowledge before service by a guy who was the friend of the owner of the restaurant, Beppe Filippetti, my first wine mentor. And he, um, hung out actually that day. He hung out the entire service. And at the end of the night, when we were having a family meal, he pulls me aside and he's like, you like this wine stuff, don't you? And I was like, I really do. He's like, let's share a bottle together. And we sat down, had dinner in this trattoria, drinking a bottle of 1996 Paternoster Don and Alianico del Voltare. And I will, I'll remember that wine for the rest of my life. And that was wine from Basilicata. Now, granted, I was new to wine, but even looking back on that moment now, I'm like, my God, Alianico del Voltare is incredible wine that nobody talks about. And here I am in 2023. I mean, that was like well over 20 years ago. And I still remember it. So let's talk about Basilicata because... Not a lot of wine is made there, but like I said, what's made there is stunning. The region of Basilicata is sort of known, you know, if we're looking at Italy like a boot, 
then it is the insole, the arch of the foot of the boot that is Italy. And it's bordered to the west by Campania. And then a little bit south of that, there's a coastline, was, which is bordered by the Tyrrhenian Sea. Then it's bordered to the south by Calabria. Then southeast, it's bordered by the Gulf of Taranto. And then to the east-east, it's bordered by Apulia. And it only has really two provinces, if you will. The, the, the region itself is split into two. The, the western half is the province of Potenza, named after the capital city, which we'll talk about. And the, in, the other half, the eastern half, is called Matera, which is named after the ancient, ancient, ancient town of Matera, which is kind of almost the border of Apulia in the east. The thing about Basilicata is the 47% of the land in Basilicata is mountainous. That is a very large percentage for a not that large region. And of the remaining area, 45% is all hills. Makes sense because of the, all the mountains. And 8% is made up of, of plains, which you go when we get down towards these coastlines is what you see. And the plains, that word right there, is very interesting. We'll get to that in a second. And you guys listen to Wine 101. When we talk about wine, you know, we're always talking about mountains and hills and valleys and rivers. And because of Basilicata being almost half mountainous, you would think there'd be a, a bunch of wine going on here. But that's not the case. The thing about Basilicata and a lot of these southern Italian wine regions is that throughout history there's been a lot of economic sort of poverty or issues in the South. And a lot of, this is why in the United States, especially in New York, the majority of the Italian immigrants coming into New York were Southern Italian from Campania, Basilicata, Calabria, um, Le Marche, and Apulia, because of the lack of industry in the South. So Basilicata is kind of a, an example of this. There is, you know, there's stuff happening in Basilicata. Right now, I think there's a little over 600,000 people that actually live in the region itself. So it's very rural. And as far as wine is concerned, 0.2% of the country's output comes from Basilicata. Basilicata does have wine regions. It has four DOCs and one DOCG, but it's the DOC, it's only, it's one DOC and one DOCG that we are going to encounter on the American market that I love to death. In the southern part of the region towards these, uh, you know, just out of the mountainous regions towards the Mediterranean climate, because Basilicata, the northern part of the region is pretty much continental. And as you go towards the, the coast, it's going to get Mediterranean because of the plains. But in the sort of western part of the region in the south, you have Terre de Alta Valdagri, and then you have Grottino di Roccanova. These DOCs we're just not going to see on the American market. They're just, they're not really available. If they are, grab them, but 
they're not very available. And then over towards that ancient, ancient town of Matera, that is actually a DOC itself. Matera is one of the most amazing places to like literally visualize, just to look at it, to stare at it, to be in Matera, looking at this ancient place. You can literally see caves where humans dwelled. And then as you're looking at the caves with your own eyes, those caves become buildings and that those buildings become condos and those condos become a modern city within an ancient city. It is an absolute mind boggling experience, but just want to put that out there because I've been there. It's absolutely amazing. If you start going North into Basilicata, going North into those mountains, you will hit Potenza. Potenza is towards the North in the Potenza province. And then north of that is one of the seven most significant mountains in the 47% land mountainness of Basilicata. It is a volcanic outcropping called Monte Voltare. It's a massive natural structure that kind of towers over the area, and it is just all rich ancient volcanic soil. And it's here where they grow the grape Alianico. Now, Alianico is grown all over Basilicata and the other DOCs have it. And then we talk about the, we did the Campania episode. We know about Alianico and Taurasi. Taurasi is a DOCG. It is in Basilicata that it doesn't rival Taurasi, but it's the, these two places are the purest exam- purest expressions of this variety on the planet. And the cool thing is they both express the variety in different ways. But when it comes to Alianico del Voltare, something kind of confusing happened in t- 2010. In 1971, the Alianico, Alianico del Voltare DOC was awarded to the area. And in 2010, they decided to add a DOCG, but calling it something different. So the Alianico del Voltare DOC exists. And within that is a DOCG called Alianico del Voltare Superiore DOCG. It's a little bit confusing. The only difference is the DOC has less aging requirements than the DOCG. And all that means for us as consumers is that the winemaker or vine grower is going to choose the best grapes at harvest for the DOCG if they even do it, you know, is then the DOC. It doesn't mean the quality is better or worse than either one. It's just a different thing because they're seeing that this is an attempt to kind of harness the power of Alianico. It's an absolutely, it's huge. We talked about Sagrantino, how it is probably the most tannic grape on the planet. And then Tanat, how Tanat is named after the word tannin because of how much tannin it has. Well, Alianico is up there in the top three. Sagrantino, Tanat, Alianico. It's big and it's bold. So this is, I think, a way to, I guess, isolate its aging potential. So Alianico del Voltare, DOC, and Alianico del Voltare Superiore, DOCG, is one grape. Both of these, at, you know, the name is Alianico. You can't put, there's no blending. It's 100% Alianico. That also is a testament to this variety. The variety is probably native to the area, 
this is Southern Italy where a lot of grapes are so old, they cannot connect to a DNA profiling. A lot of people try to connect these grapes to the Greeks because the Greeks colonized this area a long time ago, but it's not possible. So it's also said that a lot of these grapes down here in the Southern part of Italy have names that evoke the, you know, Greek origins, which is an interesting idea. You know, the Greeks did colonize this area and they took it over and they basically brought it into their empire. So I don't know if Italians, I don't know what, what if that's like a romantic callback to the colonization of the region. I'm not really sure, but what's coming forth through research and DNA testing is that these grapes these stories behind these grapes are not always a hundred percent and science tells us and documentation tells us somewhat differently. So as far as Alianico is concerned, there was a lot for a very long time. It's thought that Alianico is a corruption of the word Hellenica, which is from the Hellenic era. And they thought that they were just kind of paying homage to ancient Greece in Italy. But what seems to be the case is it's more modern times this grape got its name because, and I think it's kind of cool, the Spanish actually, you know, the Greeks were colonizing in like the 6th and 7th century BC, but the, the, the Spanish were in central Italy for a while between the 16th and the 15th and the 16th century. So being in charge conquering central Italy, you're basically everything below that you you're basically conquering, right? So it's thought that Alianico, the name actually comes from the Spanish, the Spanish word for a plain, like, you know, a mountain and a plain is Llano, L L A N O. And yeah, the L L A of that word and yeah, G-L-I-A in Italy are the same thing, plain. So before it was Alianico, the old dialect for this grape was called Lianica. And it's thought that Lianica just means the grape of the plain, which is pretty cool. But the grape thrives mostly in the mountainous region. So maybe that's why they were romanticizing the name. I don't know. But what's important is Alianico a-G-L-I-A-N-I-C-O, Alianico, is a beautiful, full-bodied, powerful red wine with deep, dark, inky fruit. And it has sometimes a little bit of mocha. It's just, you know, the descriptors, doesn't really, descriptors don't even make sense because it's really about texture and weight and how this wine just interacts with your palate. Because the thing about Alianico is as big and bold as it is, and the fact that it's in the same category as Tanat and Sagrantino, the thing about these red, well, all the grapes down in the south, they've been there for so long, they have an ability to retain acidity under the heat of all this sun. So Alianico del Voltade is not only a beautiful, big, age-worthy, powerful, structured wine with a ton of texture, but it has great acidity. So it's not going to overwhelm and weigh you down. Yeah, it has a high, it does have some high alcohol, 14 sometimes, but this is a wine, if you like big full-bodied wines and you haven't had an Alianico del Vol today, you might want to check it out because 
these wines with food are absolutely amazing. They age forever. They have depth and power, but they have just an absolute wonderful natural acidity that keeps everything very balanced. Also, the aging of these wines, I mean, is just incredible. The oldest Alianico that I had was, I think, in the 80s, and it was just amazing. It hadn't gone to gray yet. It was still dark. It was still beautiful. It really is awesome wine. So I just wanted to bring this up, wine lovers, because the thing is, Alianico is on our market. It may, it, It's out there, and it's not from Tarasi, but from Basilicata, Alianico del Voltare. They're not that expensive. They're amazing and big and full-bodied. And if you can find an Al Del Voltare DOC or DOCG, because it was DOC from 1971 to 2010, and I was drinking them. They were great. Please grab it and please take a photo and share it with me on Instagram because, man, I, I want to see all the Alianicos out there. Okay. Next week, we're going to go back to Le Marque, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of... Uh, little, you know, little info on a gem, a place you may not know that you should know. Okay, we'll talk next week. Vine Pair Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. Ian J. Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pair's Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.